on the top of it reached heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread abroad the abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to the to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So that so early in the morning Jacob took the stone that he had that he had put under his head and set it for a pillow and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of the, that place Bethlehem, but the name of the city was, was at first. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set up for my pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a content to you. Afternoon and welcome. Thanks for being with us. If you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, you'll notice and note we're in uh, Genesis. First book of the Bible, and if you've not been with us, hopefully you will notice that we're in Genesis. <laughs> this account that I just read, and you know, there's a little bit missing in our printed version in the middle uh, to try and save a bit of uh, space. Uh, this version, I'm oh, sorry, this account is bookended by uh, two passages. The final part of the uh, narrative, which is in chapter 35, you don't have it printed there for you, and some of the passages will look up, will come up on the screen. It's bookended by two passages that reflect each other. This first one in chapter 28, verse 3, is where Isaac pronounces the blessing on Jacob as his uh, lead. Uh, and sorry, you don't have... Uh, uh, that one there for you. Actually, no, you do have that in uh, 28 and verse 3. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of many peoples. Isaac, Jacob's father, this is his blessing that he gives to him as he heads off. The bookend to that is over in chapter 35, verse 9, drop the Bible and look at it, as we come to the end of this uh, account with Jacob, uh, God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Paddan Aram and blessed him. God said to him, your name 
is Jacob. No longer shall your name be Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. And so he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you. And kings shall come from your own body. So this whole account in these chapters is bookended by this description of, or this blessing, of being fruitful and multiplying. And so as we work through this passage, you've got to be looking for the fruitfulness and multiplyingness and what's being said about this. Now, if you've been a, with us well, last year when we began, began looking at Genesis chapter 1, or if you were at a media conference with us in July, you'll pick this up as well, or if you're just a Bible reader, that in Genesis 1, God creates humanity, male and female, and he gives them the command to be fruitful and multiply in Genesis 1. And then humanity is placed as rulers over the creation as God's representatives, beginning with the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 2. And so being fruitful and multiplying extends this rule of God. As the humans are fruitful and multiply as God's representatives, they extend God's rule, beginning with the Garden of Eden and no doubt expanding from there as they fill the earth and subdue it. Of course, in Genesis chapter 3, the story, in rebellion against God's intention for humans in creation, humanity uses its privileged position of rules over the creation for deceit and exploitation of that position. And so as they are fruitful and multiplying in numbers, so deceit and sin and exploitation is also multiplied. Uh, again, recapping some of the story of Genesis, uh, God decides to start anew with sort of humanity, version 2.0. And so he has Noah saved from the destruction of the flood with his family, and from Noah comes Abraham, and from Abraham comes Isaac, continuing to Jacob, as we have today. And the words that keep popping up throughout Genesis as one generation goes to another and the promises of God flow through the family of Abraham, the words that keep popping up are being fruitful and multiplying. God's blessing, God promised that Abraham is that he would have a great nation, that he would become the father of a multitude. And so his name gets changed from Abram to Abraham. There's a focus on this increase and multiplying. And it's through this family line that we're reading about today that God's creation purposes are being worked out. So, as I say, as we look at this passage, we should be thinking about what's it telling us about being fruitful and multiplying. But I want to get you to ask you a question, get you to talk about a question on your tables. Um, and this is really jumping the gun a big way. We'll come back to it in the end. How should we today be involved in being fruitful and multiplying? How should we today 
be involved with these groups and multiplies. All right? That case, I had many um, forms, but you have a set on your table.
experiences God's grace despite the sin. So we do pick up this account where Jacob left off last week. Uh, Jacob and his mother, Rebecca, remember, together they pulled the wool over the eyes of Isaac, who's blind anyway, but uh, they received Isaac, his father, into thinking that Jacob was the eldest so that he could steal the blessing of the eldest for Jacob. And so uh, we pick it up in verse 41 to the top of your sheets there. Esau, like his brother, hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Nice life. Now, Rebecca is worried for Jacob's life uh, because he's her favourite. And so he tells him to go to Haran, to Laban, her brother, far, far away. And Rebecca here multiplies her deceiving of Isaac by asking Isaac to send Jacob away. Not because Esau wants to kill him, because of her conniving that she thought better, but under the pretense of getting a wife for Jacob, someone who's close relative, not the people of the land, the Canaanites. And so Isaac agrees with Rebecca and her very wise plan and sends Jacob away with a blessing. The blessing that we read before, that God would make him fruitful and multiply. And so Jacob leaves with virtually nothing. He has to sleep uh, on a rock for a pillow. Uh, and in his sleep, as he's heading off towards uh, Laban, the Lord appears to him for the first time and promises him, well, promises him the world. Go down to verse 13 of chapter 29, uh, which is halfway down your page. And behold, the Lord stood above, sorry, and the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, and the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Then he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Jacob has this meeting with the Lord, this place where God dwells, this awesome place, truly awesome. And so God has revealed himself. The amazing thing here is that in the context of everything that's been happening, God reveals himself to Jacob and his plans to bless him, he's left home with nothing. And God showers on him these huge promises that through him nations will be blessed, people will come from him. Despite his deceit of his brother and of his father, despite everything who he is, God 
makes himself known to be, and what is he? How gracious is that? And again and again, throughout the Bible, if you're not familiar with it, we see God being gracious to humans who deserve death, who deserve rejection, who don't deserve anything, and yet God has mercy. Even in the midst of deceit and sin, God has mercy. And chooses to use even the even the sin of people to extend his mercy. Uh, you may have this reminded me of one story of a man uh, which I heard many years ago. Stephen Lungu, an African man, as a young man in Zimbabwe, he was a violent terrorist. And uh, Stephen and his gang of terrorists uh, plotted to blow up a bank. And they came across, as they were about to do this, a large gospel meeting in a tent, thousands of people in a tent. And he and his fellow terrorists, he was leading them, decided they would blow up this gospel meeting instead of blowing up the bank. Uh, they were Marxist yeah, um, terrorists in Zimbabwe. And so they were going to blow up this meeting with, and then his orders to his friends were um, kill anyone who doesn't, anyone who survives. He decided to go in and listen to what was being said, first of all. And it was actually in that context of listening, he heard a message from God. The man who was speaking was speaking on Romans 6.23 uh, and and all of Romans 6. And he heard the words, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He was convicted of his sin right there at that very moment in that meeting that he had planned to bomb and cause death he sought forgiveness and mercy from God and walked out a believer, right with God. The day after his conversion, Stephen surrendered himself to authorities and confessed his crimes. After eight hours of interrogation, uh, the chief of police there said, well, if God's forgiven you, then we'll forgive you too. And he was released and given money by one of the policemen to buy a Bible. And so, he threw himself into studying God's word and getting to know the God who had saved him and shown mercy to him. He'd set out to cause death and destruction purely for his own greedy ends. God used that very occurrence to bring his message of salvation to him. Jacob sets out, or not to blame people up, but sets out to extend his reign of deceit with his own fulfilling his own purposes and God uses it to bring about his own purposes well it's a message that we need to keep making known and clarifying to a world that doesn't understand what God's actually on about in the gospel God accepts the sinners and chooses to use them and us to bring about his purposes well Jacob experiences deceit himself despite grace. 
But if even though God has promised uh, that he will bless him, it doesn't mean that Jacob's life is now deep and a bed of roses. As much as he is a deceiver within his own family, so he is deceived by someone else in his own family. Cut to the chase. Jacob ends up in Haran, uh, far, far away from home, and he's looking for Laban, his mother's brother. If Adam could read that for us. Well, uh, while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep. She was a shepherdess. Now, as soon as Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob came near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and wept aloud. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's kinsman that he was Rebekah's son, and she ran and told her father. As soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, she ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. Jacob told Laban all these things, and Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him for a month. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me. What shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful, form and appearance. Jacob loved Rachel. And he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him for a few days because of but let's keep reading. Keep going. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife that I may go into her, for my time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. Laban gave his female servant Zilpah to his daughter Leah to be her servant. And in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Did I not serve with you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Laban said, it is, not so done, it is not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week. Then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his female servant Bilhah to be his wife. To his daughter Rachel to be her servant. So Jacob went into Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah, and served Laban for another servant. Sounded like a very romantic story for a moment, didn't it? Wow, what do you what do you say about such a such a family, such a bunch of healthy relationships? Laban, uh, Jacob's uncle, does a does a Jacob on Jacob and deceives him and gives. Leah, the older, Jacob didn't like as the wife, seeing Jacob and then Rachel. Uh, you can only imagine how Leah feels in the whole thing. Rejected by perhaps her father, uh, rejected certainly by Jacob. And now we have a situation of polygamy, uh, which occurs and it's going to cause all sorts of problems. Yeah. 
can't, just, just as an aside, you can't use this sort of passage uh, to say that the Bible promotes polygamy uh, any more than you can use any of these passages to say that the Bible promotes deceit. And God uses deceit to bless people, so therefore we should be deceitful. Uh, polygamy here is the fruit of deceit. Well, it just shows how messed up some of these family relationships have become. In chapter 31, as he's about to flee from Laban with every, everything, Jacob outlines how Laban has deceived him. Uh, deceived him with Leah, but also that Laban has deceived him by changing his wages ten times. Because he says you can't work for free, I'll pay you, but he doesn't actually really pay him well. He deceives him all the way through. So despite Jacob's being blessed by God and great promises coming to him, he experiences opposition from within his own family. And same for believers today who hold on to God's promises. As sure as we have God's promises of freedom from judgment, of dealing with sin, we will still face opposition. We will still face hardship and dealing with sin. Just because we have a blessing doesn't take away the situations of life that we have to deal with. Well, continuing on in the narrative with Rachel and Leah, and we have multiplying happening. Uh, the, the narrative turns and focuses in on Leah and Rachel. Uh, I'm not sure what their relationship was like before they both got married, whether they were sisters who were good mates. Uh, I'm not sure what it would be like to be a sister married to a guy with your, other sister, with your sister. Uh, but they're now married together to Jacob. It's a recipe for disaster. Now, as this is read, uh, see if you can hear what God's doing through all this disaster. I'm going to ask Sam if he can uh, read. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, but now my husband will love me. She conceived again and bore a son, and said, Because the Lord has heard that I have hated, he has given me his son also. And she called his name Simeon. Again she conceived and bore a son, and said, Now this time my husband will be attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son, and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Then she ceased to When Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she envied her sister. She said to Jacob, Give me children or I shall die. Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. He said, Am I in the place of God, who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? <coughs> then she said, here is my servant, Bilhah. Go into her, so that she may give birth on my behalf, that even I may have children through her. So she gave him her servant, Bilhah, as a wife, and Jacob went into her. And Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged me, and has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore she called his name Dan. Rachel's servant, Bilhah, conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With mighty wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister and have prevailed. So she called his name Naphali. 
When Leah saw that she had ceased bearing children, she took her servant Zilpah and gave, to gave her to Jacob as a wife. Then Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a son. And Leah said, Good fortune has come. So she called his name Gad. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. And Leah said, Happy I am, for women have called me happy. So she called his name Asher. In the days of wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, Is it a small matter that you have taken away my husband? Would you like to take away my son's mandrakes also? Rachel said, Then you may lie with you tonight in exchange for your son's mandrakes. When Jacob came from the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come in to me, for I have honored you with my son's mandrakes. So he lay with her that night, and God listened to Leah. And she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages, because I gave my servant to my husband. So she called his name Issachar. And Leah conceived again, and she bore Jacob a sixth son. Then Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will honor me, because I have borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun. Afterwards, she bore a daughter, and called her name. Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her, and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son, and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph, saying, May the Lord add to me another son. Okay. Well, so much for two sisters and one woman. Leah's story is worth, and uh, uh, is worth considering at least. Uh, one day, but she's rejected by her husband. Uh, she does the thing that all women at the time did, like today, uh, men uh, long for is to have children and to be a mother and to be able to please her husband by producing children, an heir, offspring. She's rejected by her husband, even to the point of having to buy time with him from Rachel, from off Rachel, so that, well, she can have sex with her own husband, despised by her sister in the midst of, the, in the midst of it all. The Lord sees her situation and shows favour to her over Rachel, giving her children as the one despised of her husband, or shutting the womb of Rachel, the one that and so she pumps out kids, boys, in the hope that Jacob will notice her and perhaps love her. And, and her, it, this rivalry just sort of escalates as they get their handmaids in on the axe. They're like, well, you have kids too. And like, we'll bump up at these two sides of the family more and that they have a war with each other, basically. And through this rivalry, this bitter rivalry, through this despair of being unloved, can you see what God is doing? Anyone can see? Want to have a guess? Is, is, is he manipulating this rivalry to fulfill the promise of what descendants? Yeah, that's right. He brings about the fulfillment of his promises. Many descendants, in fact, these 12 boys in his number will be the 12 tribes of Israel that make the nation of Israel. God uses 
their rivalry and their, uh, their sinful motives for his own good purposes. Well, we'll keep moving. We're going to skip over, skip over Laban. Uh, he actually ends up losing out most in all of this, as his daughters and all of his grandkids, and pretty much most of his flocks and everything that he owns, goes with Jacob. As Jacob returns back home, and Laban is left with not very much at all, give it on goods or family. And so Jacob does it, Jacob on Laban, and he returns blessed with many, many uh, kids and lots of work. Well, what are we supposed to make of that for us today? What we see in these chapters? Well, I think what we see comes through fairly clearly is that God and humans have the same plan. Be fruitful and multiply. Man attempts it through deceit, but God achieves it in faithfulness to his promise. Abraham, Isaac, to Jacob, despite the deceit of humanity. The human attempts at multiplying and success and success are mixed with the words of human selfishness. But God uses their selfishness to bring about his plan of blessing and generosity, which will abound to the many. Well, what are we to make of that today? Are we supposed to read this and work out how we shouldn't be like Jacob? or Leah, or Rachel, or Laban, or how we are supposed to be like them. Well, it's not really how we're supposed to read the Bible. No, this part of the Bible, at And we're looking at how does this help us understand God's blessing in being fruitful and multiplying. Rather than so much looking at the characters, we're meant to sort of look at God's plan and grasping how he accomplishes it. God is multiplying people for himself through his chosen offspring, Jacob's family. His chosen offspring, in the end, is Jesus. That is where he's leading to. God's going to accomplish his plans through not Jacob and his sons, not finishing with them, but finishing with Jesus. And so what we are to do is to make sure that we're in God's family of blessing through Jesus, through trusting in Jesus. Just like Stephen Lungu in that tent many years ago sought forgiveness from God through Jesus and so came into relationship with God through Jesus. So we, as we put our trust in Jesus, become part of the blessed family of promise. But what about multiplying now? Does it mean having lots of kids? Well, I think it helps to have kids. But I don't think that's how the promise is fulfilled. Not that alone. We have to remember that God's promise is not about us. It's about his offspring, Jesus. We can look up in Galatians 3, that he promised to Abraham. And actually, if you look at these words, multiply and fruitful, in the New Testament, we actually see them occur a couple of times in the one book, in the book of Acts. Four times. One of them is actually referring to back to the Old Testament. 
But in Acts 6, and, uh, 6 verse 7, we see that the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Acts 7, 17 is recalling the people of Israel in Egypt. Acts 24, 12 verse 24, but the word of God increased and multiplied. Acts 19 verse 20, so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. This little cluster of being fruitful and multiplying, uh, increasing and multiplying in the New Testament, and you see it's not actually us that are fruitful and multiplying. It's the word of God that is being fruit, is fruitful and multiplying. It is God who's the one that brings about multiplication of people. We are meant to be faithful, to remain in Christ, trusting in Him. Of course, if you're doing that, then you want to take the Word of God out to many people, such as they do in Acts. But our job is to remain faithful in Christ. And in that, to make this known. Just to complete that story in 1965, it was Stephen Lulu began preaching the gospel with a group called African Enterprise, which he continues to do today. And God in his mercy has seen him come to faith in salvation in Christ, but to see the word of God multiply for many millions around the world to this day. It's as people do hear the gospel of Jesus and receive him as Lord and Saviour that God is building and multiplying a new humanity that he's bringing back image of his son of Jesus. We're going to have someone leave some, actually Sammy's going to leave some prayer together. Yes. So I'm Sam, I'm in my first year studying public health. I'm still really listening to God if you want to Thank you so much for the opportunity and the privilege that you have given us to gather together today and to hear your word being faithfully God, we want to praise you for our brothers and sisters in Christ at the University of New England Armdale. We bring before you the group of students who are about to head off to the Philippines to share the great news about Jesus with the people there. We ask that you will be giving them safety as they travel and boldness and confidence in the power of your word. Please be using them to bring many more Filipinos into your family. Father, as we look towards the end of the year, Please help us not to be consumed by the many assignments and exams to be completed. Please help us to continue to prioritize our relationship with you and meeting together to encourage and spur one another on in loving and serving Jesus. Please be reminding those who are feeling the weight of these assignments and stress that you care for them so that they might rely on you to get through the home stretch of this Finally, God, we praise you for the national training event coming up in December. And we ask that this will be a great time of growing in our love and knowledge of God and our ability to tell others about the awesome news of Jesus. Thank you, God, that in all things we're in control and that you listen and answer our prayers. In Jesus' name.